0: He was the first to make your heart pound. Where is he? He was the first to make you scream for mercy. He's probably out there somewhere. He's the first name in terror. He him. And he's about to meet the last word in destruction. I don't want to mess around with me.
1: Friday the Thirteenth, Part Seven: The New Blood, Rated R, starts Friday, May Thirteenth, at a theater near you.
2: We're celebrating a, a national holiday here, Reconcinimation. That's right. It's Friday the 13th, and we are so excited to take a look back at the next chapter in the the evolution of this series. Uh, welcome to Reconcinimation. I'm John Diner. I'm David Munchak. And I'm Brent Hutchins. And this is the podcast that takes a look back at some of our favorite films from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. And man, we got we got a great a great one here today. It's Friday the 13th <laughs> part 7, The New Blood.
3: I can't believe we're already at part 7. This is bananas. I know.
2: I know. It's it's we've gone through you know every film up until this point. It feels like we were just on, you know, Brent, you joined us for the second we've done Second. Yeah, the second six. one was
3: the, was my first. Yep. yep.
2: Um and the first Friday the 13th was one of our very first episodes all of which you can hear in the archives at reconsinimation.com. We're, we're taking a look back at the evolution of the entire franchise from the birth of it and Sean Cunningham and, and the creation of the first film to the success in those early films, two and three, and, and where it sort of peaks with four, then the creative shift, uh, which ends up alienating a lot of fans with five and then six, the the kind of meta movie that was uh, part six. And then now here we are in 1988 with Friday the 13th, part seven, Uh, which um, in general, just a quick, you know, did we, do we like this movie? Brent, what what do you have to say?
3: Uh, Quickly? Yes. The answer is yes. I do enjoy this one. Uh, I've always liked this one though. We'll get into it more about, you know, you are nuts. I don't believe you. You people give me the creeps. When it was first introduced to you, when you first started seeing it and like all those memories, but yeah, I, I, this one really resonated with me for a couple different reasons. And I still enjoy it. Like even going back and rewatching it now, like I still enjoyed it. I mean, obviously, you know, you're seven movies deep on the franchise. It's, there's a lot of rinse repeat, but there's a lot of, fun things. I think that they did in this one as well, that, that I really enjoy. So, yeah.
2: yeah. And like where, where, so where do you rank it, you know, compared to the other ones? Obviously it's, it's, it's up near the top for you, right?
3: It is. I mean, it's hard. I don't want to, I'm gonna, I, I, well, you know, I don't want anybody to go back and fact check me because I'm sure in each one of these that we've done, we rank them every single time. Uh, and I'm I don't know. I'm sure it changes each time we watch them because it's fresh in, in your brain after seeing it. But this one has always been up at the top. I I think it's probably it, Just thinking uh, through it quickly, maybe my third favorite because I think I like four, the first one and this one and in that order. Uh, it, asking me right now, those mm-hmm. are those are probably. The order but like thinking back six i really liked like after watching part six that surprised me three is a lot right. of fun two is good you know i don't know like it's but at this current moment thinking through it yeah it's probably my third favorite but it's always kind of more towards the top
1: i got the sense that you didn't feel that way as we've been referencing covering this in the future. And you guys keep making fun of the fire starter aspect of it all. I thought you guys well, but, were like not on board with this movie whatsoever. This well, is, this no, is, you're... And that's what I'm just like, oh, interesting.
3: Yeah, no. So you're, you're not wrong. There's definitely a lot of making fun of this movie. But I think that's also why I like it as much as I, I do. Like there's elements to this that are kind of so bizarre and so different compared to the other movies. It certainly stands out against them. And it, it's not just a retread you know like and some of the elements in it like I do like I'm a sucker for telekinesis so like you know that kind of you have a
2: telekinesis fetish would you say Uh,
3: one could say that I'm a fan I've (laughs) I used to walk around the house pretending to move things in my head and most kids probably did that thinking that they had the force and they were moving things because they were Luke Skywalker. Uh not me. Nope. I was doing it because of this movie uh and Tina Shepard. And that's uh that's that's the facts, guys. Tina
2: Shepard's number one fan in the house.
3: Yeah.
1: You you were you are not I mean, I don't know about girls, but you're not a boy if you did not just double check to see if you had telekinesis. <laughs> like you put yeah. or at some force, point in yeah. your life you didn't. You didn't just. You tr- you just had to try. Like, I'm, okay, got to make sure. I'm and sure I
3: bursted many blood vessels in my face, per- trying. To, to and then you convince the
2: yourself files. that it moved. You convince oh. yourself like that. Just <laughs> mo- it did move. It did definitely move?
3: moved. Yeah. It definitely moved. But then I hit puberty and I lost all that power. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it
1: all goes away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, yeah. I think it's always something that you try. I'm. I'm definitely with you, uh, Brent. As far as liking uh tel- telekinesis is definitely a cool cool ass power from Luke Skywalker to your cable and Jean Grays um, uh, that's probably more my my speed but of course you know we see it everywhere in all sorts of things like with Carrie and and uh, uh, where else we see telekinesis in popular culture uh.
3: Well, you see it in many of the Marvel movies now, but back then sure. I don't know that you saw. It. I mean, you saw it, yeah, like you said in in Carrie in in uh, Star Wars, Star Wars, and Star Wars was huge, you know. So yeah. I mean, that it's it's not like it was uh, un unseen at the time, but I feel like now in just about everything, you, you know, you could every other movie you flip on one of your streaming services, you know, there's probably someone in there that has telekinetic powers. <laughs>
1: yeah. So- <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah for me like i was digging this uh this entry to at least all right we're gonna up the sort of supernatural uh aspect she's you know she's got tele our main our main final girl uh has telekinesis a psychological trauma and and, and resurrection powers as it as we could as we see um, so this is like this This is an exciting way to uh to go into a new direction so i'm like okay this is great it's not just a slasher film and it's not and it's not necessarily trying to like upend your expectations like with uh the one where jason's not even in the movie mm-hmm. and uh so like this is this is kind of an exciting way to twist to go so you know regardless of actual execution i i, I applaud them for for trying
2: yeah i totally agree with that i really appreciate the it's such a mixed bag because i really appreciate the effort of coming up with something new and creative to try to like inject some life into this franchise it doesn't always i mean just as a whole the movie doesn't always work and we'll get into why i mean there's specific reasons um that really hurt this movie, um, you know, specifically in, in post-production, but. um
3: Well, and I think, and I know we're going to get into this, but just to say, I think that was probably, you know, at the time, because this, they didn't want it to be a retread. They were looking for some kind of new and exciting way to inject a little bit more energy and freshness into the series. And during research for this, like, this is when the original idea of, Jason versus Freddy first came up and they pitched it to New Line and you know obviously it was a great idea but you know Freddy didn't need any help at this time like he was he was king of of the horror yeah. franchise at this moment in in time he, so, he's making he's he's
2: 1988 is Freddy's most successful year financially and absolutely. he's making more than double what you know what Jason's bringing
3: absolutely in. so it was not necessary for them to really like from a new line standpoint, they're like, well, we don't need this, you know, like this is just a crutch to help a competitor. Like, let's not do that. Right. So, so Paramount pivoted and, and decided to go with kind of more the Jason versus Kerry approach, you know, right. strategically avoiding any kind of copyright uh, or, or uh, licensing issues with Kerry specifically, but that's kind of where the idea uh, blossomed from.
2: Yeah. It's, it's interesting too, to see where, you know these we were talking about ranking these movies and where they fall in for each of us, and that changes over time. I think people are really people are really down on the first movie now. I've always loved the first movie. It's so different than the rest, but it's it's much more of a straight you know horror movie.
3: Who are those people like i mean you know, I, I don't I don't disagree with you I can not name on specific I can names name them. <laughs> but but it's it's newer. Audiences, right? People that are you know younger getting introduced to this, so their their expectation is always Jason, right? Right. They they uh, don't.
2: Yeah. Obviously, the first one is so different without Jason and with a with a different you know different killer. But uh, yeah, I don't. For me, this is this is probably top five. I'm, I'm. I think my order is four one six maybe two then seven
3: wow okay okay all right
2: what am i missing wow. and then i can uh, i can
3: i can get to that order three in, on, is, on, a, on a day
2: then then maybe three and five or five and three they're they're sort of interchangeable there but oh but really? I really i really like those so
3: f- god awful though wait
2: five is yeah five well, is yeah the worst, i just think there's some really creative kills in that one that that's, that's what's uh, bringing me back to it. The story is obviously completely derailed the franchise and, and the, um, you know, turned a lot of fans away and that's where it really, uh, you know, six is feeling the after effects from five, seven, like they'll never, they never recover from it.
3: No, never. I'm just surprised to hear for you that three and five are maybe somewhat interchangeable. Three People... to me is iconic in that that's where he gets the masks and sure. there's all those kind of great creative 3D kills. So, I that's all I, I'm I three, are just
2: first, you know, the character depth in, in these movies is not huge, but um, <laughs> I find the characters in three in particular like just really annoying and unlikable, and um, they're just it's that that really pulls it, pulls it back to the back of the line for me. So that's fair. The state of horror in 88 is we've got we're in, it's like sequel city. There is remakes and sequels all over the place, some which have an, an enduring legacy and some do not. I mean, i just just to rattle off some of the big ones, the blob brain damage, the first child's play movie, big hit. Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, Fright Night 2, Halloween 4, which we covered. You can check it out in the archives at Reconcinimation.com. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser 2, Howling 4, Killer Clowns from Outer Space, Maniac Cop, great Bruce Campbell movie. Yes. Night of the Demons, Nightmare on Elm Street 4, which we will cover later on this year. Phantasm 2, Poltergeist 3, Pumpkinhead, Return of the Living Dead 2, The Serpent and the Rainbow, and Sleepaway Camp 2. So, of those have you all seen? All of them. Yeah, I've seen most of them.
3: Multiple times I've seen all of them. I've seen like maybe uh, two and a half. <laughs> I, I take it back. I don't think I've seen Brain Damage, but other than that, I've seen all of those multiple times.
2: Um, one I just recently got back into is The Blob. I, I love the 1988 Blob. That's
3: the one with uh, Matt Dillon?
2: Uh, Kevin no, Dillon? Kevin Dillon. No, Kevin Dillon. Yeah, and Shawnee Smith. Okay. It's, yeah, it's awesome. I it's used to a, love that. It's a lot of fun. We'll we'll have to cover that at some point here.
3: Yeah, that was one of my grandparents. That was on one of the couple movies that I would watch over at my my grandparents' house. Who who my uncle lived with them, and it was he had a cool collection.
1: Yeah, the the Elvira movies always been on my to watch list just to check it out, like by the curiosity of it, because uh, I've always liked her from TV. Yeah, you know, but uh, and uh, and all that, but and but like hers is super like it's purposely comedic, right? Like yes. her her, yeah. her oh, yeah. movie, it's yeah. like a straight co- horror comedy, right? Yeah,
2: yeah, it's yeah, yes, it's and, like and, Joe and...
3: Bob Briggs and the yeah. you know, like it's kind of one of those like late night. I mean, it, even the movie is done in kind of her late night uh, host thing. I mean, she's okay. more involved in some of the film throughout, but like they they cut in pieces of that uh, as well but yeah like I remember late at night Saturday nights maybe like her show on TV I think yeah, I yeah. saw
2: Elvira Mistress of the Dark at the theater
3: oh wow yeah
2: well huh. and you, you know our friends over at Laser Graves uh, I believe covered that uh, film so you can check that out in their uh, in their library so
1: and uh, I was hor- I was absolutely terrified by the idea of Child's Place so I didn't see that for a number of years because I'm like nope nope that's too that's actually scary nope not not into it forget it
2: (laughs) yeah and and these are you know they was eight years old at the time right yeah well it's it's another like new idea at the time right like there are some in that that group that i read off like there's some good quality horror films and then some uh, and a lot of retreads and trying to recapture what worked with the original or, or the, you know, the earlier days of these franchises and, you know, a number, quite a number of them not working, not hitting, you know, we're, we're not at our create, 1988 is not a creative peak for horror. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're years past that at this point and the market has been so saturated, you know, partially because of it, I mean, starting with the success of Halloween, Followed immediately oh. by Friday the Thirteenth. Followed a couple of years later by Nightmare on Elm Street. So, you know, you have these powerhouses, and then this like army of imitations following it, just really trying to to milk it out and and um, you know find that next that next hit. But rarely does it come from any of these sequels. You know, we're yeah. we're deep into in in our coverage here on the podcast on friday of not just friday the 13th but halloween and nightmare on elm street we're getting deep into the middle sections of those franchises and you know um it's interesting because 1988 is a huge year financially for freddy krueger um but halloween and halloween's trying to come back doesn't really work but uh so we'll, we'll get into like where they all kind of play off of each other but and I, um,
1: I wanted to look up to see where where are we in the Ghoulies series. Uh, <laughs> there have been two Ghoulies movies up to this point, but interesting connection to this movie for Ghoulies three to come out in nineteen ninety. Right. So uh, I'll point that out when we start talking about. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I, I just watched the first two Ghoulies for the first time in forever. <laughs> My God, those are those are, they are goofy. Something else. Those are oh, goofy movies. Yeah, to, yeah, especially on- the second one.
1: Okay, well, and Ghoulies Three is two years away. Ghoulies go to college, so yep. just or, of course uh, they do, man. I love, but I think that, that that this this uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven is a sort of a sizzle reel for the, the filmmakers of Ghoulies Part Three. Mm.
2: <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> so when was let's let's go back in our our personal archives here, uh, David? When was the first time you saw Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven? this week Bingo. wow okay there, there you go the, you are the, the new blood i am are, i yeah. am
1: the new blood yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> interesting okay yeah that's uh not surprising for for our regular listeners um david not as well as yeah
1: not you know it was a uh, not an interesting um these types of movies were not my first choice at the rental store. So, uh, or particularly the theater. So yeah, then again, not surprising, not much else to say about it though.
2: All right, Brent, uh, first time viewing for you, probably not the theater, right?
3: Nope, not the theater, but uh, I would have, I mean, I know both of our stories are going to sound really similar, but uh, you know, when I was, growing up, they used to have these things called video stores, which we've talked about quite a bit because both you and I used to work at video stores in high school. But even before that, they used to have video sections at the grocery store. And so yeah, the local grocery store uh, where I grew up was called Gerlins, And um, I remember they would put out sort of a monthly pamphlet, a monthly kind of brochure or kind of a release schedule, but it had, you know, like cover art and pictures and kind of a synopsis of what the different movies are and when they would come out. And I remember that when this movie was coming out, the cover art on that uh, magazine was the poster for the movie. And I was for whatever reason just drawn to it and i probably grabbed i don't know 10 of those pamphlets and i cut the pictures out and i like because i was hanging posters in my in my room now and like i i would often get these little pamphlets and cut the cut the covers off and use them as little mini posters when I couldn't get the big poster, but I had several of these like wallpapered on my wall. I eventually got the full movie poster and hung it. And it was, you know, like it was a big deal. Like I was really, really excited for this movie. And um, I'm certain uh, that as soon as it came out on video, I figured out a way uh, to to watch it. So I, I don't know when that was exactly, you know, this I think dropped in like May of 88. So it's probably early 89, mm-hmm. you know, if if I had to guess. But I uh definitely was ready for it. I was very excited for it. This is the first Friday the 13th movie that had been released that I was like kind of aware and conscious of as a person who was excited about new and upcoming movies, mm-hmm. you know, like the other ones were releasing, and I was aware of them, and I'd see them at my neighbor's house, like late at night, because they had HBO and whatnot. And we've talked about that in the past, but this is the first one that dropped, and I was like, "Shit, this is coming. I'm ready. I want to watch this." And and so, yeah, I was I was stoked. I was ready.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's uh, you know, I hadn't thought about the uh, <laughs> the videos in the grocery store uh, section because that's usually like a smaller section. Oh yeah. You know, but uh, they'd only have a certain amount, but yep, totally remember that.
3: At my grocery, it was like three aisles or whatever. And at my grocery store, it was right when you walked in the front door. Yeah. Like you walk in, the front of the store would kind of lead you to the right as you come in. And then on the left, they had a little section cut out. It was like two, three rows, maybe not high, just long. And you could walk through there and find videos. And then you go into the produce section or whatever. And I would always go there and just like look around.
2: Yeah. I remember some pharmacies had it too. Like there was, there was mm-hmm. some local pharmacies that had just very random, you know, like 50 movies and that was it. But Yep,
3: yep. yep. Yeah, those are the days. Uh,
2: but there are still video stores. They're out there. There's Video Tech. There's It's is soon to come back. So sure. support your uh, local video stores where you have them.
1: I have the uh the Price Chopper was my grocery store uh that had movies at one point and I think I think maybe Garrity's the other chain in my area had uh, dabbled in video rentals for a nice. minute. I think I've rented one or two movies from the Price Chopper. Um Price Chopper's still around apparently. So, uh Excellent. Anyway, I, I just assume
2: I'll... go in the back see if they've still got those video tapes.
1: You got them tapes? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Uh, you know who would do that is our our friend uh, EK from Laser Graves. He would uh, he he goes everywhere and, and like specifically asks you know for do you still have any videotapes like sitting in the back and half the time they do. Really? Yeah. So that's where he gets. He's a, he's a VHS collector, and uh, that's where he gets some really good ones that people just don't know are you know valuable or rare you know for whatever VHS is now. But he mostly he for He
1: is Ek is a human divining rod. He can seek out VHS tapes where none would be found. (laughs) Um,
2: So I remember, you know, I've talked about the the same story, you know, on on the last few Friday Thirteenth episodes. But I used to wander the aisles of my local video store, Movies One, and always was just visually attracted to the horror section because they were the most interesting posters and cover you know box box art for the vhs tapes and the friday the 13th ones were all all of them say what you want about the movies but the posters are they're really cool looking posters still today you know uh part four with the mask with the axe in it or you know the the with just blood everywhere and um i think six is where jason's shadow sort of like standing over the grave you know the headstone just beautifully drawn posters and even the first one um, with his kind of outline over the camp and you see the, the, oh, the I love, like
3: I love the first poster. It's a
2: great, po- they're all great posters. So, and, and this was another one, just like, obviously it's all about the showdown, right? So this, the, the split image poster of half Jason's mm-hmm. face and half Tina's face. Beautiful. And and definitely not Lar Park Lincoln as the no. actress for the, the model for the poster image, but uh, you get all the same. So um, so yeah, fascinated with that, but I didn't actually see the movie until uh, a very uh, another uh, co-host here of Reconsimation through a certain party uh, back in our college days where we just had a tremendous amount of fun and we lots of things were happening at that party. We'll, we'll leave a lot of that out, but in one of the rooms, I think it was just in the living room really, we were running mm-hmm. the Friday the 13th movies as a marathon and you know just come in and out like you know we would play drinking games to the movie and
3: yeah that was the first gathering of the Voorhees institute that so... was the
2: very first one yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh a lot of fun to be had there and these are great movies to watch as a group i mean they're not movies you're going to take seriously and you know break apart thematically and th- that's not what they're trying to do That's just get a group together you have fun you make fun of it you laugh along with it you you know you get your horror scares and your, your interesting kills along with it and um so this was where that was where i first saw the seventh movie and i and i always really liked it i thought it was it didn't get enough credit i felt like maybe not all of the actors but some of the actors were very good
3: yeah i think i think the lead actors, uh I mean all the secondary actors, like the the teens and the yeah, whatever, like they're all kind of garbage. I mean not to you know I don't want to be mean if anybody's oh, boy. Oh. But they're just kind of they're not original, you know, they're just kind of retread. There's
2: no kind of they don't have a lot to work with. Yeah. Frankly, you know, yeah, but like they're not given a lot.
0: No.
3: That's fair. That's fair. But I mean neither is neither is uh um dr cruz you know like he's got a few scenes but he's amazing in them you know yeah might might be the best actor that's ever been in in any of the any of the friday the 13th
2: um movies we're 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 the heads of the terry kaiser fan club here Tina, Tina, you have to come back with me now please
0: what are you doing here where's my mother
2: she's uh back at the house come on please you're lying i'm not lying you're lying i was just there (laughs) so terry kaiser is he, he he hits friday the 13th mannequin and weekend at bernie's all of those franchises yeah they uh the master of
3: well and he's great in this and so is so is uh Tina Shepard.
2: Laura Park Lincoln is great. I think she's really good. Oh, wow. Wow. I think there's some solid, you know, especially the two of them and Susan Blue, who's the mother. I think those are all specifically really good performances and a lot better than, you know, that we got in part six and part five. And, you know, um, probably at least since part four, it's the the best uh, acting performances.
3: That's fair. And I I feel like we, have to mention kane hotter
2: oh well yeah we're gonna to get to kane hot Kane Hodder is his own section in the encyclopedia so yeah <laughs> um but yeah let's so talking about where the the status of the the franchise is at this point it's not in good shape um you know we, we talked about the disappointment uh i think financially and creatively from part five Part six, you can look out with like and have a lot of fun with, but it didn't it, again didn't hit for people and the the series is really on a, a downward slide uh, creatively and financially so. You know, here we are, so the the sixth film comes out in 1986. This one doesn't come out until 88 in between they had act, Paramount had actually greenlit Friday the 13th the series. Along with Star Trek, the next generation, they pitched both of those at the same time wow. and both were, were big hits. Obviously the next generation was a much bigger hit, but Friday the 13th, the series went on for three seasons. Did you guys ever watch that? I did a long time ago. I have not seen it recently. I
1: saw a couple as it back then. I, I couldn't, I don't remember any of it though. I remember the, yeah. the intro a little, but that's it.
3: Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, the only thing that it really had going for it that related it to the movies was i think they're in the opening credits there was a hockey mask but
2: beyond that well and even that was much of was much debated um they, they really did not want to link it to the movies they wanted it to be separate and the writers of the show were and even frank mancuso who's the producer of everything since part two yeah question that of like okay it's called friday the 13th are people going to be wanting to see jason and turn away when they don't see him i did i
3: i was not a fan i was not a fan of the show at the time because i wanted to see jason yeah
1: so Um, with three seasons they never jumped into the movie no they specifically Mm -hmm. wanted
2: to stay away from it they didn't want to pay you know as we know now in reality there are a tremendous amount of rights issues about yeah yeah who wrote what, when, who owns the rights to Jason versus the franchise itself and the characters. And um, so, I mean, that was a known thing even in the mid eighties. So they wanted to steer clear of that. And the, the show was about a, it was kind of warehouse
3: 13 type kind of deal where it's like possessed items. Right. They were going to go like this, you know, the squad would go and find and put in this, pawn shop
2: yeah essentially it was these two cousins who inherited this pawn shop called curious goods that that Mm. you know all these artifacts there were were haunted and and as each episode would focus on a different artifact and its backstory and you know however they dealt with it but um so very different than the movies
3: yeah like no not a need at all to be related to friday the 13th only just only just in trying that is true I assume an attempt to grab audience members.
2: Yeah, yeah, and at the same time, Nightmare on Elm Street the the series is also out and fucking uh, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> and hosted by Robert Englund as Freddy Krueger. Yeah, so complete polar oh, wow.
3: opposites couldn't yep. be more different.
2: Yep. I mean, I guess wow. you couldn't have Jason host the show. You know,
0: no, <laughs> but
1: you could have you know. could have had a proxy, and he could have just been there silently,
2: like you know, yeah.
1: reacting to the. <laughs> You yeah. know, you get like a goofy, a goofy like character to like sort of host the show, <laughs> <laughs> and he's just there with a machete, like you know. And like, you what if somebody... Elvira hosted? Like oh, Elvira perfect. said, Elvira. Like, what do you think of that, Jason? And just she's cracking jokes and making puns. If anybody
2: <laughs> could have tamed Jason, it would have been Elvira.
1: Elvira v. Jason v. Freddie. That's what <laughs> I want to see. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you know, it it would be a pun. It would be a joke off between her and Freddie. Uh, but you know, I think it would really confuse Jason a lot. I don't. Yeah. I don't think Jason makes it out of that three-way battle.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> so you know, Frank Mancusa was trying to lead the charge to you know the the the, the franchise is still making enough money to warrant uh, making sequels. It wasn't losing money yet, so uh, they still were planning to move forward and and they're. You know, at the same time that they're doing the series, they're starting to finally coming around to pitching uh, part seven, and they bring out Frank hires uh, at this point. Frank Mancuso's producing other projects too, and isn't as hands on as he had been for all the prior films. Uh, so he brings on a producer, an associate producer named Barbara Sachs, to kind of be more of his eyes and ears on the on the film and and kind of lead the, the way in in his absence. But um, and he would be sort of the overall decision maker but um you know nightmare on elm street is the big enemy at this point and they're you know as we mentioned very successful uh we just covered nightmare on elm street part three dream warriors check that out in our archives at reconsideration.com it's uh you know a big success a big hit and that would even be topped later in 1988 by part four uh dream master so you know, Jason's got to. they've got to find a way to keep up with with Freddie. And, and the only thing to do is kind of come up with a new creative spin and a different fresh idea. Uh, the initial idea um, was sort of based on jaws and was more of a uh, political thing about these this um, development company who comes into Crystal Lake and, and is going to, you know, trying to hide the, the history of Crystal Lake and build these condos that it was going to sell off. Where you know at the end of the movie, Jason finally reveals himself and and kills everybody. But but it was a very different you know I- interpretation of it. And and Barbara Sachs was wanted to make a serious movie. Um, she was had every intention of making it as dramatic as possible and pushing for like Oscar caliber people to the point where they were. Fellini was pitched as being brought in as the director what? that can't be real. I mean, it just, I mean, I, gotta I get I, Fellini. I wasn't in the room, but I've, I've seen that from multiple sources. No, I,
3: so have I, I know. I, I mean, I saw it in a bunch of different yeah. things as well. It just seems that so.
2: Be,
0: yeah. yeah it's That's just, bold. Now that yeah. is bold. That, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but this is it's... like
1: Tarantino doing Star Trek, right? Like we got to get some, we got to get somebody else in there, outside of the whole thing. We're gonna shake things up. We're gonna change it. We're gonna make it big and yep. good.
2: Sorry, <laughs> that's what it but, sounds uh, like. So, so sh- they hired uh, screenwriter Daryl Haney, who's actually writing the script, who was not in support of that idea and knew, you know, what what fans wanted to see, which was the the teens and the you know at Crystal Lake and. The formula that that had been working um so when frank mancuso gets this uh I, I don't know if it was a full script or a treatment he's like what 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 is it no <laughs> like let's get back to the huh? basics here so um so try again and uh yeah and then that's where they come up with you know what if what, like on a last ditch pitch uh haney just is like well what if, what if um, what would jason do if he had to fight carrie and everyone, that kind of piqued everyone's interest. So yeah. that's where th- the idea came from of introducing, obviously not exactly Carrie, but a, a a character with telekinetic powers and building to this ultimate showdown of Jason finally getting his comeuppance. And um, yeah, that's closer, I guess. Um, you know, closer to what... Uh, and then mix in the teens and the usual, uh, the formula of, you know, I think Mancuso had told Haney, like, look at the final chapter, look at part four, follow that formula and just add this in. And that's basically what we have. Right.
1: Um, I think I've cracked. I'm, I'm going to reveal it now in the middle of this episode, though. I, I cracked how we reboot the franchise successfully.
3: Ooh, do tell. Go for it.
1: Ready? Okay. It's going to be crazy, but you got to roll with it. Jason Voorhees from an alternate reality appears and starts taking down the evil version of himself because this Jason Voorhees thinks he's good and he's got to take down this version of himself who is the most in almost all realities is always a bad guy but there's a good Jason Voorhees that will start to try to eliminate him from killing more teens and the more he does that, the more powerful he becomes, until is, like, till one of the evil Jasons like wins, and then becomes the new like face of the franchise. So and so, uh, yeah. What
3: oh, I was gonna ask. So is this good Jason like, Voorhees? Is he like a version that didn't die because the counselors were off having sex, yeah, and he's grown was up? My question. And he yeah. was like a camper, and then a counselor, and then and then he owned the camp, and then. Like, is that is that how this goes? Yeah. I think to- I
1: think it, it I think he still underwent some trauma, but he doesn't die. And then because in, in most realities he is destined to be dead and a murderous guy, he is affected by that and he figures out a way to connect himself to all the other Jasons. So then you can have him dip into every movie that we've seen just in case we want to say, Oh, you know this jason isn't exactly the same jason from this
3: he's a a time jump but
1: then he ultimately loses it's jet lee's the one meets friday the 13th but and then but then you give the ultimate power to some badass hockey version you know
3: they're they're looking to start it they're looking to start it back up i think settlements have been met and you know this could be
2: the this could be it i love this idea david
1: and then you can because then you can have him team up with like he ends up in some specific reality for the most amount of time. Like there's a Jason that is just kicking ass. And then you find the the leads, your final girl, some other dude, another like a team what, of what, teens. What, what and would then you do? They like, become the
2: face like we do like a back to the future too kind of thing where you go where you go into the other movies and you're like, yeah. Yeah. And then Sign maybe he goes
1: in and straight's up kills Jason like before the movie the movie would begin, you know, like he just takes him out. Like, oh, Jason's up and running again. He takes him out then he can leap to another dimension. You could do this, this with
2: technology today. <laughs> so, just <laughs> that's it. the pitch. This
1: All is right. how we when fix this, the
3: franchise. When this drops, when this when this gets released, listeners, you heard it here first. I mean, multiverses are all the rage. Yeah, Thank you J.J. Yeah. Abrams
1: for making it cool. Uh, back into Star Trek One in 2007 or yeah. whatever. that's right. Uh, this is it. This is how you fix it. it. I'm all down.
2: Right. I'm so down for that. Let's, you know, Peacock is developing a some kind of prequel series. So maybe, Let's maybe say, you're Crystal on to something.
1: Yeah, Crystal Lake. That's right. Maybe this is yep. where maybe where that's where the new Jason comes from. Yeah. yeah i think uh, that so, actually
3: drops this year yes this 2023? year
2: sometime on, on peacock yeah i 2023?
1: can't wait so that's me completely diverging from the conversation <laughs> of this film but only before we get into the nitty-gritty of, of like the behind the scenes so yeah yeah um but i got very excited when i realized jet lee was really the key to this whole thing <laughs> yeah. um, and i would insist on Jet Li appearing in the movie well maybe Somewhere. he could
2: play alt you know alt uh alt jason
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe he maybe one of the Jasons is like a really short martial artist yeah, who just exactly. murders
0: people.
2: <laughs> I
1: mean, oh, I don't man. know. What is he? five six? He's not that short. Uh
2: okay, it, sorry. Sorry. So
1: we have a lot um, of Jason craziness to contend with. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, uh, anyway.
2: So they bring on uh kind of a a director, a new director, basically. Um not so out of left field, but hasn't directed that many movies, but was a huge name in, in creature special effects. And that's John Carl Buechler, uh, who had done effects in so many big movies throughout the uh, throughout the 80s specifically and and had trained under, um, oh, God, uh, Stan Winston and, uh, you know, some of the best. So
3: I think this guy is actually a really great pick to direct this movie, I you know, like yeah. just based off his special effects background and everything. I mean, I know we'll get into it, but we miss a lot of what he could have contributed to the special effects uh, kill sequences because of the MPAA. But yeah, I mean, just looking at where we ended up with the, the latest iteration of Jason, like I think this version of Jason is freaking awesome looking.
2: Well, this becomes the. Uh, I think this version of Jason is really the the standard, right? I mean, we'll t- again we'll talk about the the casting of Kane Hodder, but his physicality and his look that deteriorated, you know, um, like gross. Yeah, <laughs> you know, look, he's, he's been, been underwater zombie. Yeah, he's been uh, you know he's a a zombie and B he's been underwater and he's been torn. Like he's actually showing the damage of all the stuff that's been done to him throughout the past few movies and and plus you know sitting underwater for 10 years so
3: right
1: is uh it really quick if we're talking timeline if we were going to talk let's say what the first movie came out in what 1981 80 and then throughout the series we've seen a couple of time jumps now but also some movies just taking place like very soon after the other if we were to say 1980 was the actual time of the first movie what year is it in Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven?
2: So, all right. So, walking <laughs> great through question. It, it's a great question, parts right? Parts <laughs> one, two, and three all happen like one right after within the other. Night. Yeah. Yeah. Within, within I mean within like no within less it's than, like a week. Yeah.
1: Well, I, oh, wasn't she? Oh, wasn't, all, no, they're it's they're probably all?
2: it's probably a little bit longer than that. It's probably within one summer, really.
1: Okay. Uh, because remember uh, that okay, right.
2: Adrian King from the first one. Is in the beginning of part two, which you know she's she's back home, somewhat recovered a little bit. Yeah, I thought
1: some months had passed, but maybe not. Right? Yeah, no, maybe
2: there's. Yeah, I don't. But remember it's within. Head, it's a very but, short. Yeah,
3: two but, goes right into three, though.
2: Correct. Two goes right into three, okay. and three essentially goes right into four. That's I think I there's. Um, I think there's a li- maybe a little bit of a gap, but basically all within the same year. Like yeah. let's, let's just and say, then there's um, a
3: big time jump between four and five.
2: Yeah, so then I would say there's five years between, you know, and that's that's if you look at the jump from Corey Feldman to the actor who plays him in part five, that's a probably a bigger jump, but we'll call it five years. Sure. Uh, Character wise, so all right. So say it's Obviously. 1985, right? And then oh. six is unknown. How how close to part five it is? So. Yeah. Say it's the next year, so that's 86 when it actually came yeah. out, but then there's a ten year gap. Mm. 10 so years. seven takes place ten years after uh, after six so this would, we, we,
3: but but you're ta- it it takes place ten years after Tummy. the flash T- the flashback right right so so the so the majority of the story is ten years after. Right,
2: which we, I think because
3: we open.
1: All oh, right, because well, that's the thing. So yeah, when is the when is she a little girl? When does that happen in the timeline? Right, like the next summer.
2: With when she's a little girl, I mean, it's hard yeah. to say. That could be happening. Yeah. It, it's unclear when that it's part post, happens.
3: It's it's post Tommy dropping, Jason in the water, yeah.
2: but so then so it would be which would have been, we're saying that's 86 so that's when she's a little girl is 1986 which would make this
1: 1996
3: 1996 so this is actually the but is hold on can't Tommy
1: be a little older i mean you know that guy that guy in the, that movie was
3: like wait but when she's younger is jason already in the water i think he's in the water already they make a point to show it don't yeah. they oh like, they do show him okay yeah, i yeah. couldn't i couldn't remember okay so and then I, there's I, I, because they definitely show him when she's older and brings him right. out of the water. Yeah. But I couldn't remember. We see him
1: drown. Down. Well, I think the point is we see, they do the recap where he drowns and then we see the action of her as a little girl and her dad dies. So you have to assume that at least happens.
2: It's happening after. Yeah, yeah. that's a good point.
1: Within some, but not probably not too far removed from it.
2: This is the most uh, 80s looking 90s movie of all time.
1: Nineteen ninety six, like you know, here we go. Like, yeah. So, okay, all right. I so, all right. So now, so part seven is happening in nineteen ninety six.
2: Yep. There you go. (laughs) Where you're wearing short jean shorts and. (laughs) feathered hair and
0: amazing
1: and and you and your friend's birthday where you go to spencer's gifts to get every gift yeah. for him
3: yeah. <laughs> well when you were in hollywood in the 80s you never thought it was going to change it was the greatest time ever yeah was, you know
1: yeah everything's sort of locked in in frozen in yeah. for time um anyway okay See, so this is me getting in the nitty-gritty I'm no i love movies. it i love
2: it No, it's good
3: timeline i'm glad we clarified that
2: yeah I mean, which <laughs> you know just just before we go back to the story here just going back to john carl buchler just yeah. a really interesting choice as director um you know he's really leaning on the special effects the mechanical effects he's the one that casts kane hotter uh as Jason, instead of uh, bringing CJ Graham back, who was also a good Jason, but wasn't an actor, wasn't really a stuntman, um, was brought in, you know, was brought in sort of on a whim. Um, and Buechler had worked with Kane Hodder before and was so impressed with how, you know, all in Kane is as a performer that, you know, this is this is the guy. So, um, So he's really, you know, his mo is to make these gags as uh as interesting and different as as possible so yeah. and then obviously very into the telekinesis kin- storyline and um flushing out the the tina character so um all right now well, let's he had, talk-
3: done, he had done a couple other movies too up to this. yeah he done
2: troll and cellar dweller
3: yeah which i mean troll i mean troll 2 is a certainly a timeless a, classic a timeless cult classic considered maybe the worst sequel horror movie ever yeah. made oh, yeah. like there are documentaries and and <laughs> true, publications too. about how incredibly ridiculous it is not that he was a part of that
2: but right but he did he, the first
0: one
3: he did create the first one yeah which is also a would, cult classic within itself but and,
1: and, and he sim- would go on to do Ghoulies 3. Ghoulies go to college. There you he go. Would, now it would.
2: comes back around. And with producer you. Ian
1: Patterson. Yep. Who also yes. produced this movie.
0: Yeah.
2: And and uh, another bit of trivia about uh, John Carl Buechler is that he's, I think, the only person within the calendar year 1988 works on Friday the 13th Part 7, Halloween 4, and Nightmare on Elm Street 4. Holy cow. He works. Uh, he does everywhere. some of the some of the creature effects for both uh, the Halloween and so American he hit
3: films. he
2: was he he's, hit the so big he's competing three. with and working he's for the, all those all he's of them.
1: the Bill Paxton of of the horror genre exactly wow. Paxton yeah. was killed by a Terminator a predator and uh, an, a, a xenomorph. an alien oh, xenomorph. <laughs> oh
2: wow <Yeah. laughs> oh, that's funny Um so yeah all right let's let's go back to the story so sorry so we are we're moving on from Tommy Jarvis Tommy, the Tommy storyline is concluded to this very day. That's the last, part six is the last time we see Tommy.
3: Kind of wish he showed up here, but that's okay. I'll
2: I feel like the character should have gone on, but um, I, I also understand, or at least come back somewhere along the way. There's there's more story there for sure. Yeah, um, and also let's bring our dear friend Kimberly Beck, who plays Tommy's sister, uh, another surviving character, back into the franchise. And um,
3: yeah, great final what's girl happening.
2: You can get Corey and Kimberly back, both of them. So, um, all right. So we've got a, a new character with Tina Shepard. And we see that the very, you know, right when the movie opens, we see this, her having a flashback of this incident where she murders her dad. I mean, her dad is also um, a wife beater. <laughs> like he's. Yeah.
0: He is beating us Literally. Not, not yeah. a
2: cool guy. No, he's a bad guy. He's, uh, he's beating up the mom and, and, and this is where Tina, I think we're assuming has her first uh, encounter with telekinesis that she, you know, as the she runs out to the dock, and as the dad follows her and, and her rage at him sinks, you know, kind of like implodes the dock, where he falls underwater, is knocked unconscious and drowns. And then we flash forward to present day 1996. Uh, where right. she is, you know, under the care of Dr. Cruz, played by Terry Kaiser, and, and her mother, played by uh, Susan Blue, who are treating her and trying to, Dr. Cruz is pretty, pretty quickly, it's clear he's trying to exploit her mm-hmm. uh, telekinetic powers and trying to, like, bully her into into using them and controlling, you know, her powers. So, we have this storyline going on concurrently with... A birthday party, Michael's birthday party at Crystal Lake. Yep, yeah, just a characters we we do not know at all. Just generic teen characters are all gathering at the lake house for a uh, a birthday party, and we we know where this is all going. So um, here's so so that's the setup for the movie, and and Doctor Cruz is going to take Tina to I think what his cabin, which is right next door. To to uh, you know, their cabin where he's going to force her to deal with her traumatic past and go yeah. to the place where it started to try to, you know, re- he's really trying to get her to harness her powers.
3: Is it his captain?
2: Or his I cabin? You know, maybe, it might not be his cabin, but it's. I mean, because it's the same. It's the cabin. Maybe it's their cabin. Right? Yeah, it's the yeah, cabin yeah. where yeah. where her dad died. It'd be right. Awfully yeah,
3: coincidental did. if he <laughs> had the it's cabin the next door. Steer. <laughs> the it's, uh, sure. There's
1: a family um, there every week out of the year, but it was their week. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so we have our characters kind of converge, uh, you know, at Crystal Lake, where everything's set up, and then and, and Brent, do you want to get into how how does Jason Voorhees come into play here? He's of course sitting underwater, having been chained up and weighted down by Tommy Jarvis at the end of part six. Uh, he's just underwater waiting for 10 years just
3: waiting waiting for a young upset telekinetic uh super powered tina to uh to have all the right buttons pushed from her uh diabolical doctor and um you know get her uh so raged up that uh she goes outside starts feeling bad about the fact that her she she'd used her powers to to accidentally kill her father gets a gets a sense that there's something under the water and uh decides to resurrect it and boy was she mistaken not her dad at all but it's our buddy jason back from (laughs) the dead uh now now in full uh zombie uh you know mode And uh, as certainly someone who at this point has taken on a supernatural ability uh, to walk amongst the living and slaughter uh, helpless teens uh, for decades to come.
2: Fantastic. That's uh, you, you, you hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah. Um Yeah.
3: And, and I couldn't be more pleased. I couldn't be more excited about <laughs> about about how this went down.
2: Yeah, and so we've got this, you know, could be more pleased. <laughs> in general, that's the, the the thing about this movie that it works on one level and doesn't work on the other because we've got a great, you know, the the triangle of characters with Tina and her mother and Dr. Cruz are interesting and good performers with characters that have motivations and a history and um you know actors that are bringing that out uh and susan blue too just just to mention is a huge name in uh the voiceover world uh she did rc and transformers the movie and then the series after that and gem and the holograms and and just voices in pretty much every cartoon that was happening in the 80s and uh all of those which were epic uh shows so uh, yeah i mean to
3: your point I and mean, there's there's a ton of things in this movie that i think do really, really work, and there are a lot of things that just unfortunately handcuff it right yeah. and, and make it not work. You know, like I think, I think, like we mentioned before, I think the director is a great pick for the director. I think Tina's a great final girl. Um, love the telekinetic kind of power that's a new twist. Kind of, you know, at a time when we're not getting a whole bunch of superhero movies and things like that, like it's kind of cool to see these two supernatural forces face off. In, in what would now become very commonplace sort of sort of uh, you know plot device, but like back then it just wasn't happening very often. Um, you know, I think that Terry Cruz is not Terry Cruz. Uh, uh, Terry Kaiser is. Uh, if Terry Cruz was in this, that would be interesting too. <laughs> but I, you know, when, when uh, we but,
2: remake uh, when we remake part seven, just yeah, part seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Terry
3: Cruz is definitely in it. Uh, but Terry Kaiser's fantastic, you know. Um, but then again, uh, the MPAA totally gutted this movie. You know, it was terrible. All the all the different uh, side uh, teen characters are pretty much throwaway. Uh, you know, which is yeah. which is problematic.
2: Yeah, um, I mean, it's it really is repeating specifically the fourth movie, but also the first the second all of them it's the, the same you know generic group of teens you've got your nerd you've got your um you know your mean girl you've got your yeah. you know couples that are have paired up and and I, I will say I, I do I do like Susan Blair Sullivan as uh, as Melissa I think <laughs> Melissa is a good sort of vi- another villain character hey where
0: do you think you're going
3: I'm going back to bed you want to come
0: Look, Melissa, just stay here with us
3: it's not my style don't go out there fuck you
2: no the no, fuck you both the you know they're not really given anything to work with um and thus i don't think you're getting the best performances either and, and you don't even you know they're getting killed right when you meet them so yeah You know, there's there's multiple characters who are Jason encounters in the woods that are there for whatever reason and killed immediately. Why do you care? Why do you? Well,
3: and it's always it seems like they're always killed in the same spot. Like, it doesn't seem like they had it made it like it felt very contained, you know, like it didn't feel. I don't know, in the other movies, camp crystal lake and the kind of the spread around the lake seemed pretty vast and large and yeah you know like the, it was kind of a big area but this it just seemed like a lot of reuse a lot of like similar like it's like oh that's the same log yeah. that was pushed over uh in the other scene
2: yeah like, let, let's just of, grab this where uh you know just somewhere in the woods right here like yeah there's no there's no real sense of space
3: right and so that was kind of a bummer i think you know, the MPAA kind of you know, neutering the the gore is really bad. You know, I mean some of the some of the going back and kind of like reading through and finding like some of the some of the information on the kills, you know, I guess at some point they existed where you could uh they like got rid of the they got rid of a I don't think there could be a director's cut, but they have some raw footage mm-hmm. that you can see some of them. But they talk about how gruesome some of them the more, oh, and, yeah. uh, you know, like, I just feel like if if we really had a chance to see those and see the director in his wheelhouse, like kind of creating, creating that stuff, like it would have been a completely different kind of kind of thing for that. Cause yeah, Kane Hodder is great. He's super menacing. I think you add that gore back in and some of that brutality. And like this movie stands up on a couple other legs, as far as, mm-hmm. as it being entertaining and, and a good entry as other than just like this neat little tele- telekinesis connection? Yeah,
2: I mean, C- Kane Hodder was just brilliant casting. Like, it was his physicality, like, actually brings
3: Well, yeah, some he's character. a stuntman.
2: Like, Well, yeah, but I mean, he, he actually, like, he almost has emotion. Like, he's the first actor to play Jason that actually is able to get some semblance of, of emotion out of him and reaction.
3: Well, I mean, his movements all seem like fueled by rage. Like there's some kind of like, even though he's like walking through the woods and stuff like that, there's still kind of a, a fire behind the, the, the motion. Right. Yeah. And, and, and on top of that, you know, like he is a stunt person, that physicality that you're talking about, like he's taking those falls Like, he's bringing all that into the character. I mean, shit, the scene where he gets lit on fire, like, that's really Kane Hodder getting lit on fire. And at the time, set a record for the longest on-screen, you know, uh, uh, fire stunt ever done in in film. And so, like, which is all pretty awesome. You know, like, if you think about it, like, that's a really kind of kick-ass thing. And it obviously translated, because Kane Hodder ends up playing jason multiple times over more several, than anybody else yeah, yeah over several of the of the next over this four, over the course of the
2: next several movies yeah four times
3: yeah, yeah. and i mean he you know it's uh well and that's
2: after you know he does that fire after he's had a significant burn injury uh, on a prior on a prior film and, and a fire stunt gone wrong like yeah kane hodder his neck and chest are has a horrible scar damage on it from, from being lit on fire. And this was like, like, let's do it. Let's go. Yeah. He just twice as long. Well, and, and there's, you know, he take he does some major stunts here, like, you know, being hung and the scene on the front porch where, you know, this is all all Tina, you know, once, once Jason reveals himself and is one by one killing all the teens off. And then they finally Tina and, uh, Uh, Oh God, what's his name? (laughs) Tina and uh,
3: the boyfriend. Yeah. uh, Kevin
2: Blair or Kevin uh, who plays, what's his name? Nick, Nick. Uh, Nick. Yeah. And then Tina and Nick finally come around to the fact that it's Jason doing this and she fights back and she's using her telekinetic powers on him when she crushes him on the front porch. Like that's a real roof. uh, And the center was was balsa wood, so it would break around him, but look at how it flattens him
0: yeah, yeah. like
2: he and he said it was probably like almost uh, he said he thought it was like six hundred pounds just crushing down on him, Jeez. and he just took it and and I mean luckily he was okay, but um yeah, there's you know he gets he gets this is the most jason gets uh gets beat up by somebody, yeah. Um, but yeah, like you were mentioning, the, the MPAA damage uh, that was done to this movie is really astounding because it really cut the legs out from under it. I mean, there's actually very little gore in the movie. I mean, just oh, you see a yeah. little bit of blood here and there, but especially for how he's killing these people. Um, and it's, it's sad to see now because it's so, so tame compared oh, yeah. to what yeah. even would come just a few years later. Well, I mean uh, in eighty-eight the MPAA was like
3: all over everybody's ass about
2: that kind of stuff. But Friday the thirteenth was like its,
3: you know, like most scrutinized franchise. I mean, and not just this installment. Like it had been scrutinized the previous, you know.
2: Ever since again, Um, another thing, ever since part four, you know, they that's where they turned around on it. And and knowing that john carl buchler was a special effects you know a creature effects guy it seems like maybe they had they were being a little more harsh on him than they would have um you know some of the prior directors but yeah uh because really like they cut you know every special death that he was bringing to this is getting taken away from him
3: yeah i mean they zoom in they cut away like i mean it's very it's very neutered and,
2: sure.
1: it's, and it's 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 annoying because it's like the some i mean the thing it, the whole of it is, is like i'm bored by almost every one of these kills there's like three of them that i kind of like it's oh, an interesting thing but not even just because you need to see the results but just the way things happen i mean he just like walks into a room and just like parry, pair Ske- like just just skewer like boom yep. you're dead like oh great good job yeah <laughs> like that's you know that's very basic but like, you know uh I'm not, yeah, I'm not a fan of most of these kills, like, uh, at all, like, they're not, you know, I feel like, oh, these are kind of boring and tame. And I I really,
2: um, I, so, and you can see, so the, the sad thing is that Paramount ended up destroying the originals. So you can see, you know, rough cuts of the, the, you know, the, the uncut version of these deaths on, on, you know, wherever on YouTube, it's on some of the DVDs, uh, I, the, the Ben's death, where he gets his head crushed uh, outside the van, mm-hmm. is very quick in the movie. And there's, you know, kind of a disturbing sound effect that goes with it. <laughs> When you see the uncut version, I mean, he, they literally take it like he just crunches the head down till it's like a golf ball, like oh, and there's wow. just blood exploding everywhere, oh and it's gosh. you know horrible. And then he turns around and stabs his girlfriend with the uh, party horn, with the honk.
1: Yeah, little little honk in there to yeah. get the the air flowing. Uh, so, um, I mean,
2: but and then like Terry Crew, you know, uh, Terry, I said it Terry Crews, Dr. <laughs> Terry Kaiser, Dr. Crews. Um, you know, you that's a character you really want to see get killed,
1: yeah. And that you don't, death stunk. Oh, yeah. that was so bad, like it's, I mean, com- especially because he's so menacing with the weed whacker saw blade thing, and then like it's just like boop, yeah, like he's dead. We got him, we got and him.
2: The, the 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 director's cut of it has like all of his guts coming out and to the point where it jams the weed whacker because it's so thick with like intestines and stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it's
1: not meant to cut, cut intestines,
2: I guess. Yeah. Well, and sometimes as a director, like you're going to go further because you know, the MPA is going to cut, cut it down. Right, so yeah. if you make it really extreme, you'll probably get half of it, which is what you really wanted in the first place.
1: right yeah you you do you do stuff knowing you'll probably get a cut but like you just tone you know yeah just it just lets the other stuff get through
0: yeah um yeah yeah. exactly
2: so um yeah it was just you know obviously incredibly frustrating and disappointing for uh buchler and and is you know continuing the damage to the uh franchise because that's really what people you know teenagers going to see these movies like that's that's what they wanted you know, that's why they were going.
0: Well,
1: so absolutely, and it's and not an R rating. It's not like you know, like it's kind of, you know. Well, go, well, they were go as far against, as you can.
3: Yeah, they were fighting against the X rating, though. That's yeah. the thing. So well, they, they had to make all those changes so that they wouldn't be X just, rated. They just they sent it X. to
2: the they sent the film to the MPA nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Which is cute. Like usually, you'll send it. Twice, maybe three times, but nine times. You know, it, it got kept getting kicked back. Nine times. times. Nine. Yep. They had to cut times. eight
3: deaths out of out of the scene. Yeah. or out of the movie.
1: So there was even more deaths, but there th- there aren't that many characters, right? No, I think they cut. No, down I think they cut, eight cut down, of
3: down eight of the deaths.
1: Yeah. Oh, you meaning like reduced? Yeah, the yeah they yeah. reduced. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, there's eight other characters we didn't even see. No, no, sorry, I said <laughs> that
3: weird, but no, they cut. They they trimmed. I know what you mean. It. The gore, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I was like, yeah, I I wasn't sure. Like, yeah, you got to keep cutting and cutting and cutting until they're going to say, "Okay, that's fine. That's acceptable." That's a bummer.
2: Well, and That's a real bummer. Buechler would argue that like, look, you know, at the time this is this is 88, but he's referring to Temple of Doom that mm. Steven Spielberg does a big movie where someone reaches Rips in and pulls a heart, a heart out while the person's living. And that gets—I mean, it's famously—it gets the PG or helps create the PG thirteen rating, um, but that's what they get. They don't get an X, no. Uh, So he gets that, and while they have to fight and fight and fight, and you know, just you know, the movie itself was gutted—pun intended. You know, that movie was directed by Steven Spielberg, though. That's true.
3: You're not,
1: yeah. And it's really the only. Horrible part aside from the child abuse and slavery and brains yeah. eating and racism
3: and uh, better than
2: that, <laughs> yeah. But and then ripe, he would say ripe with issues. He would say later on, you know, you, ten years later with Private Ryan, like that's way more gory. Oh my god! Than you know than this, but it's a little bit different when it's portraying something reality based and his- historical that actually happened versus you know, a, a fictional character running around yeah. telling people. So. Well, and it's
3: post that, uh, you know, that's post Natural Born Killers. When, right. That oh, yeah. after Natural Born Killers, man, I feel like pe- like people were
2: just like, OK, just do whatever you want. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, that honestly is what it felt like. Like, I feel like that movie broke the MPAA of of that. And I don't, I don't know that that's actually true, but like that movie stands out to me as one where it was grotesquely like i mean it's just kind of a grotesque movie just yeah. in general and so you know well the, the audiences
2: were so desensitized throughout the 90s that that yeah. it was like the expectations had changed and it was un- kind of unstoppable that you know they yeah. they were going to see they wanted more and more and more but
3: yeah now yeah. honestly you could if you took the nudity out of this movie you wouldn't need to make any other cuts to show this on tv wow yeah, yeah. like like yeah big inner one of the big three channels could could air it and it would be like not a problem yeah
0: (laughs) yeah
2: um (laughs) the uh just going back to the teens you know the so there's not a lot of chemistry there among the cast again they're not given much to work with but specifically between um tina and nick's characters so just like that and I don't know, you know, he Kevin, Kevin Spurtis, who had who plays uh Nick, would come out of the closet year, you know, years later, and maybe that had something to do with it that there just wasn't that you know, s- true like sexual chemistry between those two characters. Which I mean, the characters had it, but the, the performers didn't really have it. I don't,
0: I
3: don't, I don't know, man. I mean, like, there's plenty of homosexual actors out there who play opposite. Oh in, sure, yeah. In hetero uh relationships and pull pull off the chemistry. And you know, I just think you're either an actor or <laughs> with talent or you're not, you know. Yeah. I don't mean to speak poorly, but this is the whole the that whole section and writing of of it seems very soap opera E and and that is probably due to the writing in a lot of cases, but also just the actors, the level of the actors, you know, I think, I think there's kind of a, a, a higher tier that we've mentioned as far mm-hmm. as Tina and Terry and Sue and Kane, and then there's kind of just, you know, supporting cast who...
1: Yeah, you know? uh, I could believe. I could believe, though, that Tina and Nick were into each other uh, in that film. Like, really? I don't know. He, yeah, I never I th- bought it. Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, because I think because everyone else sort of brings it down a little. I don't know. Like, but you know, he at least he has sort of that. You know. All American quarterback look to him that it, like like at least he sort of looks like the str- he's the strongest guy the you know mm-hmm. macho you know jaw like big like he looks like he works out yeah, he looks big. like a jock <laughs> yeah you know he's a jock dude so I could understand like. I, I, I almost I almost bought that he was more attracted to her than she was attracted to him. <laughs> to be honest, oh yeah, though,
2: well I mean he's like he's pursuing her for half the yeah. movie for for yeah, no reason. She, he just sees her and is attracted. He just to her sees and her and yeah. is yeah. like, damn, he's I gotta get after this.
3: I think she's just looking for a way out of the cabin to get yeah. away from from her doctor. You know, yeah. like well, it's yeah. Like, yeah. like
2: look, there's a bunch of people my age at the house next door. Like, yeah. let me be a teen for let me be normal minutes. for a minute. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Let's go to the party. Yeah. Um. Did you guys? Did you guys both connect very well with uh, uh Eddie, uh, when you're you go to the house parties with your friends and you just obsess over uh, movies and the the greatest directors of all time. Like the movie <laughs> Eddie was the movie nerd. Yeah. Um. That that he was the biggest dork, and, but his dorky thing was movies. Yeah. But yeah. but also sci-fi obscure movies. Oh like, yeah. You he's know. A
2: sci- he's he wasn't. Didn't he say he was rejected by the finest the finest neg- <laughs> yeah like that yeah. but
1: like you know did you guys did you guys did did you feel a oh, kinship yeah. with eddie is as, yeah. as the biggest
2: film i mean it, it, if you place. want to talk about spin-off like that's your character you need an or an eddie or <laughs> eddie the 13th <laughs> eddie, origins, <laughs> eddie the, the 13th eddie the 12th like, <laughs> um yeah and uh yeah i was melissa's character was just so kind of ridiculous over the top uh you know mean girl that uh... this villain
1: this villain girl (laughs) like there's here's this guy who absolutely has paid no attention to me and i'm going to hate the girl that he's attracted to and do everything i can to get with this guy to even like mess with mess with eddie
2: yep Um, Melissa. heidi heidi kozak was uh one of the one of the uh one of the teens who, you know, is the one who dies in the, uh, in the lake. And yeah. we would, we also know her from slumber party massacre two and several other, uh, uh, horror films of, of the eighties, but, um, it was good to see her again, but yeah, just, you know, um, I think they were trying, you know, I think I, I felt bad for the actors cause it's, you don't have, you know, th- th- this movie was green lit in like October 87 and was in theaters May 88. So, right. you know, not a lot of time flushing out the script, not a lot of time shooting the movie. Um, so I'm sure this is one of those that it was like, got it in the first take. Great. Move on. You know, like we're not mm-hmm. doing performance, you know, more takes for performance here. So
0: no. Yeah
1: especially when you have all those characters like together sometimes, like you got a light to just shoot whatever, all the angles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's
3: what's even more sad is they probably didn't spend a lot of time on the actors acting because they wanted more time to set up all the special effects and gore scenes. And then all those got cut to shit.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a lot of the actors were were frustrated because Buechler basically spent time with Kane Hodder and with Lar Park Lincoln. And that was it, you know, like, yeah. They got all oh. his attention, and that's
3: interesting because I read I read something a little bit different. Just where he was, like the, most of the actors really resonated, or or he resonated with most of the actors, just because he was kind of a light hearted, jovial guy on on the set and things like that. I yeah. mean, I agree. I I agree that it's it it appears to me in watching this that they did not get much direction as far as the acting scenes yeah. for the movie, but. But I didn't hear that the actors were upset with him in any way. No, I,
2: I I'll, I'll dial that back a little bit. I think they personally like really liked him, but I think mm-hmm. just as a director directing their performance, like that's where sure they just they didn't get enough time with him. So
3: yeah, and he probably you know I mean he's still you know I again he's a special effects guy. He's exactly. got this perfect opportunity to really yeah you know showcase that element in this movie you know before yeah. getting totally uh you know cut apart but uh yeah i, I could understand him focusing on that and you lo- losing some attention on the on the actors it
2: yeah. makes sense but the big you know so we have lots of big uh stunts and and special effects gags both for the the kills of of the teens and the know what what's what tina is doing to jason along the way and and how badly he's getting beaten up but uh it all kind of leads to the end of the film which was of much debate again of how how are we going to wrap this up and it uh i think story-wise it makes sense to have it end where it began and tina in a last-ditch effort, summons up the her dead father from from the lake, who yeah. you know is. This is a common thing. I think it was a, a Mancuso sort of mandate that like it ends with somebody getting pulled in the water. That's a Friday the Thirteenth mm-hmm. like staple. Yeah. yeah, but this time it's the father pulling Jason under back underwater back to his uh, watery grave, and. How this was going to be done was, again, under much debate. And and Barbara Sachs was, you know, was not really – she was trying to maintain what Frank Frank Mancuso wanted, but also didn't creatively agree with Buchler a lot of the time and was uh, pushing back pretty much everywhere she could. And the look of the father uh, coming out of the water, who suddenly we're rooting for, who is a well. –
1: Listen, yeah. everyone's got pro everyone's got issues. <laughs> I guess yeah, <laughs>
2: like, he atoned for it by being under underwater also for ten years. But
1: being murdered being murdered for ten years, I think makes up for being a terrible human being. Sure. Uh, uh, but um... well one slap one slap off screen. I mean, what are you gonna do? No, hey. I'm just kidding. I'm not defending <laughs> domestic violence by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I mean, you know, she they did establish that, you know, Tina missed still missed her father. I mean, what even if your father does, you know, hit your mom, you still, that's a, conf- there's conflict. You love how, how can you love someone who does terrible things? Right. You know, so there at some Tina is still going to love her father, know where he is. She's still, you know, and no matter how bad of a person he is, does he deserve to die? That's a question. She killed him sort of inadvertently. Like she wanted to. Yeah exact some revenge and uh you know so again i'm not excusing his behavior that we don't really see but we understand very quickly who what kind of guy he is well uh, he never
3: he never got a chance to sort of repent for his right for you know or yeah. or or save himself from that right so this is the moment
1: this is it like so that you know if you're going to give if he's going to be a tortured dead soul at least you know at the at 10 years later he can he can be used to to take Jason down so that he's not the ultimate hero of the story yeah. i think he's a he is a an instrument of of the hero which is is who is team right
2: but yeah. but the look, it was the look of that character that uh Barbara pushed back to, pushed back on and it was well
3: was it that at plus the mpaa i wonder if at that, that point you know like no this is one he... was
2: her because they okay. she didn't even want it to be shot they they did shoot at least stills of it um of was the he father more horrific well yeah, yeah he was, well, like, he's been in the water out, for like, like 10
3: years yeah like he yeah. should be all like that's gross. what i
1: understand that's what i understand he just had like a loose couple patches
2: of yeah, loose he, skin he looked like he had like, been like
3: down there for 10 minutes
2: yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 i'm like that doesn't so, look great so there was another another sort of falling out over this between buchler and and Sachs and just you know e- e- everywhere he turned he was uh running into you know problems here but um so it ended up, you know, the version with him with, with no zombie and just looking like he had was fresh, you know, in the water, yeah. uh, popping up and, and getting rid of Jason. So um, and then that's that's where it ends. That's where um, there is a deleted scene and another alternate ending where after we see uh, Nick and Tina wheeled off in the in the ambulance, we go back to the lake and we see a fisherman who's, you know, pulls out a fish and then. Jason pops up out of the water and behind him pulls him in just like the end of the first movie and mm. and the third movie and you know many of them. But yes. Uh, I,
1: I I was hoping she got put in the ambulance. We see the two of them in there and then in the driver's seat is Jason and he puts sunglasses down and drives off. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Like, now that's an ending. Eh? Well, well <laughs> like, you know,
2: and Buechler wanted to do sort of like you know a, a separate he wanted to do a sequel to this movie specifically. Like I oh, guess yeah? 7.5 where you know, Tina is in like a mental institution, and 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 Jason, you know, heads there to track her down. Very similar to probably, you know, Halloween two. Halloween two. Um, there is
3: a, there is a sequel to this movie. Uh, it's it's a fan fan um, fan film called oh, Rose called Rose Blood, uh, which takes uh, it's like thirteen months after part seven. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it was just made in twenty twenty one, but Tina is back. Terry Kaiser's back. What? They all did it? I mean, they're on the cast list. I haven't seen it, but you know, maybe them themselves. Maybe it's flashbacks. I mean, they're all they're all listed. Yeah. Kevin oh, Spurtis is back. Also wow. known as Kevin We Blair. gotta
2: we gotta, we gotta we to uh that up.
3: yeah. Um, gotta
1: resurrect that. I mean, I guess it just happened. <laughs> so.
3: yeah, so it came out in uh 2021.
1: Uh, so two they, had, years they didn't now. have anything to do during COVID. So, <laughs> so <laughs> like everyone's like, like,
3: like, well, we gotta make something.
1: <laughs> yeah.
3: I don't know how Terry Kaiser comes back, you know, because
2: Yeah. Maybe he's got a twin brother who's also a uh doctor. could
3: be, could be, but yeah, it's called Roseblood, uh, a Friday the fir- 13th blood. fan film.
2: Interesting. All right. all right, we'll check it out.
1: Do we do I mean, so of all the deaths in this film, have we talked like like and of course, they're all muted and like toned mm-hmm. down into nothing. But like, is there any that stand out at least? Like, well, this one's the best one for me.
2: Um, for like for me, it's 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 Ben's head crushing. That that's that's the one. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, the one. But um, what about you guys? What what do you think? Well, you know, before we say, there's a total of we have a total of sixteen deaths in the movie. Uh, mm-hmm. That's in this film. That brings our running total for the series up to ninety nine. Ooh. So we'll have to find out on our next episode uh, who is the 100th kill in the Friday oh season. yeah nice. Um, here's a here's a hint. It's the very first one in <laughs> part yes, <eight>. it is <laughs>
1: it, yes <laughs> <laughs> that would make 99 tick up
2: to 100. That's great. Yeah. Uh, um, all right, what about you guys? What kills uh, stood out to you?
3: I I mean for me the most iconic and I wish that it hadn't gotten cut because I think it's pretty brutal anyway. Uh, But my understanding is that it was much, much more brutal is the sleeping bag slammed up against the tree, which is like, yeah, I forgot about
2: that, which is kind of
3: like, yeah, I mean, and it's been redone. It was redone and there are at least homages to it in other Jason movies. And even in the Friday the 13th video game, uh, it's one of the like super kills, you know, and I, I think that one was great. Originally, apparently, you know, in this version, the cut down version he just slams the sleeping bag up against the tree once and crushes judy's body and she's pretty much done and that's pretty brutal but like in the original cut or before it was cut down he slammed her up against the tree several times and it was like six times yeah apparently it was just <laughs> even more and more gruesome sounding and so yeah but like uh, but the, like
2: this the, the you can see you know, Kane Hodder is, is pretty wiped out by the, the sixth swing. Yeah, But you can see oh, really? like this pile of bloody, like, <laughs> mass down at the end of the sleeping bag. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I think that it's one's amazing.
3: pretty iconic. It's probably my favorite one. In the, but
2: in the, the reference later on, which uh we, we will get to further down the road, the reference to this death is genius when it comes up, I think, in one of the later films. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, David, what about
1: I was, you? I'm more like the savagery of the of when Russell dies. He's at the he's waiting to jump in the lake. He's he's gonna taking his clothes off, and then he because it's, like, it's just like this swooping motion. Like so, it's not gory, but you see the aftermath too. And it's just mm-hmm. like that's just like a great kill. Like it just uh it, it, I, like the idea of it. And then seems very then, sporty. Yeah, yeah. But also like even Melissa who died at the end of the film, yeah. like just taking an axe to the head, and then he tosses her. They're like they're compared to most of the other deaths, like,
3: oh, that's pretty cool.
1: Like, like yeah. that was at least kind of savage. It may not be very gory, but like I think the savagery. Well, but the Melissa you know,
3: one apparently was much, much gorier originally. Uh, both of them. Both of them showing her were. head like split. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I can imagine. But like for what we got to see, yeah, like at least like that's kind of horrific. Like, I mean, probably iconically the sleeping bag one is probably like pretty awesome because it's just so savage and and brutal but um like those like i think and i think the mtv movie awards were starting up that year or something like that because there is a or maybe it was a few years later they did a tribute to jason and his like iconic kills and i remember the audience reacting to that sleep sleeping bag one and it might have been like they were like ironically honoring him like it was like a comedy bit but right you know he's just like I, I forget i don't remember it but i remember seeing that that slam and uh and just being like whoa and but everyone's laughing at it because i think they were like honoring him or something like he's such a i don't remember the bit, yeah you got but... like
2: a like a lifetime achievement award or something like in yeah in character. And the um so. there's a shot where when melissa opens the door And you just see Jason standing there and he just raises the axe. It just like there's something about that particular shot. And the the image of it, I think, became the image I think of the Nintendo game and became, you know, what more of a publicity image, just like straight at you, you know, like that was that got me a little bit this time. It's Jason's never really like scared me or anything, but um,
3: no, but it's brutal.
2: Yeah. But but if like I opened a door and that was what was standing there like yeah that that it's would very be very imposing yes is it time dare we talk about box office glory oh there we go okay so paramount uh and frank mancuso are really hoping for a big comeback here um i think you know th- they know the MPA has cut it down. Obviously, that's affecting the movie, but is it enough to either sway the audience one way or the other? Uh, they, they will see. Um, the movie had a $2.8 million budget. So, you know, that, that 2 to $3 million budget is where they're kind of sitting at for a lot of these uh, later movies. So, um, I don't know if you could do it much cheaper than that, but. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. It opens up May 13th 1988 at number one wow no competition that weekend it's number one uh, hands down the only new release uh, it's ahead of colors uh, which we covered you can check it out in the archives at com and beetlejuice um, but I will point out at this point may 1988 that. Three Men and a Baby, another movie we've covered, <laughs> is still in the top 12 25 weeks after release. So that's how that huge movie was huge. That's how, and then, Fatal, you know, we, we didn't really talk about it, but um, Fatal Attraction uh, coming out in 1987 had a huge impact on this that, you know, they really that movie was patterned like a, a horror movie that they mm-hmm. were using a lot of the scares and jump scares and techniques and and that horror movies use but it was done more artistically and and um you know work for mass audiences
3: i have never seen fatal attraction
2: oh my you you really should it's a big movie. <laughs> i know it's i know a, i need to yeah it's uh, i mean if you're yeah. a glenn close michael douglas fan it's a it's a must watch it's um
3: yeah i mean i I feel like i know all about it and i remember when it was yeah out and a thing and i uh i don't know why i never saw it
2: yeah but yeah it's never well it's you know we we talk about all the time that some of these movies just slip by you and then you never really have the opportunity to yeah come back to it so well
3: we'll have to put it on our on our uh we'll have to do it sometime for the show
2: it's it's on the reconsider list great um Okay, so it ends up with opening weekend it ends up with $8.2 million that's you know, a really solid opening weekend I mean it's quadrupled almost quadrupled its budget already. Uh, But it slows down after that Um, Mm -hmm. it only ends up with a $19.1 million domestic uh, run, which is down from Friday six which had 19.7 so not trending in the right direction, Uh, the downward slide is going to continue here. Again, it's not losing money, it's still making money, but it's not making the kind of money that uh, Nightmare on Elm Street is. So, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street on a similar budget is pulling in $49 million. So, um, you know, it's a $30 million difference between the two. Uh, It ends up uh, number 51 of 1988 between another sequel, Police Academy 5 and Cocoon The Return. So, Sequels, mm. sequels, sequels this year. Oh, uh, also, you know, sliding back from Friday the 13th Part 6, uh, which was at number 45 of 1986. So it's back another six spots for 88. Mm. Um, financially speaking, it is the number nine ranked of the series right between Part 6 and Jason X. So uh, again, it's, it's down there. It's, it's down so wait- towards the bottom.
3: So, so so hold on that would mean then jason x is the 10th in box and it's box office you right? got it yeah.
2: 10th movie 10th at the box office
0: check um, it out
2: yeah Um, uh, we'll talk about gimmicks you know uh, everything <laughs> so so going forward in the franchise um which we will hit over the, the coming years. We'll have one more Friday the 13th episode later on this year, uh, which would be Jason takes Manhattan. Um, oh boy. You've got gimmicks all the way through the rest of the series. So, you know, yeah, if it's, it's all gimmicks. If it's, if it's not telekinesis, it's going to Manhattan or it's body swapping. Um, and then it's going into outer space in the future. Like you're really yes. reaching uh, before we finally come back and, and uh we we only have one more uh left in our our Paramount version of Friday the 13th before they do finally make a deal with New Line Cinema and uh, all leading to uh Freddy versus Jason in 2003
1: just picture Josh brolin appears on the timeline and
2: starts murdering
1: Jason he's man appears and he's like who are you? And he's like, "I'm Jason Voorhees." <laughs> oh my God, Josh <laughs> Brolin is Jason Voorhees until he Josh dies for at the end. Roland.
2: And then we and introduce... Act One.
1: Yeah, oh, he's gonna die. But
3: then there's gonna be other heroes who take up the mantle to fight
2: yeah. Jason across
3: time <laughs> and space. I'm still, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the fact that 2003 is when Freddy versus Jason came out.
2: Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, it took it. It was it ni- I mean, it took 15 years to make that happen. But it's
3: been 20 years since it did happen.
2: Yeah. And they've talked about, you know, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. You know, they've, they've talked about all all sorts of combinations of characters and, you know, like people really wanting Bruce Campbell in the mix here fighting them. And, you know, uh, Hmm. it's, it only happened the one time and we'll, we'll cover it down the road.
1: It'll be. It would be such a like they. It it's such a money grab now. You yeah. can do that. You can get everyone. Well, it was involved. a money
2: grab. It would have been a money grab then. I mean, I right. I understood Newline's point of you know they didn't need Jason. Jason needed Freddie. Yeah. Right. Right. Um. So, but at that's that was the time to do it. Even ninety three was was past the point. You know, the interest was gone for both of them at that point. Man. So you know, here in the late eighties was really. Prime Freddy, it could have reinvigorated Jason. Um, that was when it was really should have happened, but. Hmm. Um, all right. So, you know, look, again, just wrapping it up and looking back at it is, is this movie as bad as, you know, a lot of people dog on it. A lot of people just don't, um, you know, don't appreciate it and they see the negatives with it. But, you know, now having done the deep dive, what do you guys think? Does it, it age as badly as people think? Uh, what, what do you have to say?
1: It's as good as any of the other ones, except for the part five, I guess. <laughs> That's yeah, my opinion. I,
3: I like it. You know, it's got we things. It's got
1: it. individual. It's got specific things that are very entertaining and unique to its movie. But yeah, it's I, this is all the same to me. <laughs>
2: I think it has things working for it, you know. As we mentioned before, it's it's got it's got something new and different. Uh, It's got some some good performances. It's got the introduction of Kane Hodder. Um, So I think there's a lot in the plus category.
3: Yeah, I think that's where I'd stick it too. I think David's right. Like it's not any worse than any of the bad shit from the other ones that are bad. That that's that have bad elements to them. But to your point, John, it's got a handful of elements that are better than some of the other ones as well. Yeah. So Kane Hodder, I think, is a huge, huge plus for this and just the franchise. And I think he's the most iconic Fre- uh, Jason now. You know, I mean, I think yeah. he's the one that I, most people will say, like, who played Jason? People are, he's the name rec- recognition. And he didn't even show up until th- now. Right. Right, so.
2: I, I like, I'm like um, i a big fan of Ted White from from the fourth film. Uh, who He was who- great who just passed away, I think uh, earlier this year. So uh, Uh, RIP, but, um, but yeah, Kane is really the, the iconic one. Yeah. So,
3: yeah. And I, again, I I enjoyed this one from top to bottom. I I think it's fun. Um,
2: Now, if, if it's, it's 1988 and you're doing some, a little bit of recasting, sometimes we check in about this, but could Kurt Russell have been in this movie (laughs) and who would he have been? I think we know the answer.
3: I think we do know the
2: answer, but I think,
3: I think the casting there was good the way it was.
2: Yeah, but a Kurt Russell as Doctor Cruz. Ooh, uh, that's with that's him magic him right there.
1: With that that outfit from Car Wash or, or uh, Used Cars, with the <laughs> the glasses and the plaid jacket and the hair
2: from Overboard and the hair,
1: and the hair from Overboard. Yeah, and oh man, oh, that'd be great yeah <laughs> he uh, could have definitely been in this movie. he could have yeah
2: <laughs> but uh yeah interesting uh not the best of times for the friday the 13th franchise and uh but we're going to continue our look back at it uh later on this year i believe it's october uh when we're going to be looking at uh friday the 13th part eight jason takes manhattan which was i think the first one i saw on vhs really but um Yeah, so uh, looking forward to that And it's always fun to deep dive Deep dive these uh, with you guys David, I know it's your absolute Favorite uh, Mm -hmm. when we hit These movies up. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely
1: 100% Uh,
2: Well, we are going to be getting back to our regular Programming and our our next episode Coming up Uh, We've got a lot of fun things coming up this year We're we're trying to take a look back at more um, Get back to the roots of the show And films that have not had the spotlight on them in quite some time and uh maybe some cult movies that are are you know not as popular but but well loved and and uh we're gonna take a look at back at some of those so um a little bit different of a lineup this year than uh, some of our previous years so uh looking forward to that and uh we want to uh just say take a look at our social media or check us out on we're on instagram and twitter and Re- Re- reconciliation podcast. Uh, you can check out our archives at reconciliation for all our back episodes. Don't forget to give us a, a five star rating and review that does uh, that does mean something and it'll boost uh, boost the uh, download or the listens for the uh, show. So we'd appreciate that. And uh, quick thank you to our friends E K Wimmer for the theme music. Check out his podcast Laser Graves and Curtis Moore. Thank you for the poster. Just going along with all the other amazing Friday the 13th posters. All <laughs> right. Well, uh, thank you for listening, guys, and stay tuned. Check out our next episode of Cinemation.
3: Take care.
1: Bye now.
2: David, does it feel good to be the the new blood? You've you've been the new blood for this
0: film. Are you happy? Oh you were- uh, yeah, I know. I feel right at home. <laughs> like-